Well, good morning. Glad you're with us. Glad you're with us online as you're watching this morning. And uh, for those down in Fellowship 3, uh, we welcome you as well. Um, I hope you were able to participate in the Christmas Eve uh, services, one of the six that we had. I, and I want to just thank our worship team and our tech team and our facilities people, uh, the many volunteers that uh, were greeters and just to just to pull uh, off six Christmas Eve services. Um, we could have just said, you know, it's not, it's just too much work, <laughs> it's not worth it. And we just could have not had Christmas Eve services, but um, our worship team and our folks said, uh, no, we need to do that. It, this is Christmas. This is the body of Christ. We need to gather together. And, um, and so they added, started with four and added five and then did a sixth one and, and, um, and people um, turned out. So again, thank you for all those who volunteered. It was a, it was a great time, I think, of worship and uh, enjoyable time. This morning, we are going to talk about kind of the last installment here of this series we've been doing in December of the Humble King. What an unlikely king. Scenario number one, the manger scene, right? Uh, a helpless little baby in a manger surrounded by smelly animals and soon smelly shepherds laid in that manger by uh, a poverty-stricken young Jewish woman from an insignificant place. Um, what an unlikely king the very one that the angel Gabriel had said, I'm sure this was on a Christmas card somewhere, he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. This is no ordinary baby. Scene number two. A bruised and beaten man standing before the most powerful person in Judea, the governor from Rome, Pontius Pilate. Here was a man who is charged with sedition, who will be executed shortly, bloodied and bound. And yet, in a dialogue with Pontius Pilate, this is the very one who said, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And just prior to that, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. No ordinary criminal. What kind of a king is this? A baby born in obscurity and poverty, a beaten and bloodied, condemned criminal, what kind of a king is this? Well, according to Psalm 2, he was the promised king. And take your Bibles, we're going to spend just a little bit of time in Psalm 2, the promised king. 
This is a, what's called a royal psalm. It's written for the, the, the Davidic kings and their coronations. Uh, it's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Its contents describe this celebration, this um, coronation of kings from the Davidic line, and it also describes the anger and the rage that the nations of uh, the surrounding nations and the peoples have against this coronated king. Psalm chapter 2, it's a, it's a short psalm, the 12 verses, uh, four stanzas with three verses each. So it's nicely um, laid out here for us. Psalm 2 begins with the words, Why are the nations in an uproar? And the people's devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Here are the nations of the world saying, We've had it with you, God, Jehovah, and with your anointed one, your your coronated king messiah the next stanza is the response of god to all this he who sits in the heavens laughs the lord scoffs at them and he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury saying but as for me i have installed my king upon zion my holy mountain God is not to be trifled with. He laughs. He scoffs. It's like a, like a, a person standing over an anthill and the ants are trying to, to um, drop stones on his toes or something. And he just, he just chuckles as he sees this unfold before his eyes. God is in his holy mountain and he laughs at mankind. He's determined to install his king on his holy mountain, Zion. The third stanza is uh, the Son, the Anointed One, and His role. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. And the Lord is all in caps in our translations, meaning that's the personal name of Jehovah God, Yahweh. I will surely tell of the, of the decree of Yahweh. What was the decree of Yahweh? This is a reference back to Second uh, Samuel with um, the decree given to King David that there would always be a, a, a David boy on the throne. Your throne will be perpetual, will be an everlasting throne. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession." And you shall break them with a rod of iron, and you shall shatter them like earthenware. The anointed one, rehearsing the decree of the Lord. This is what will happen. The last stanza is, uh, is like the voice of someone else. It's the, the voice of an outside person. And I say it's the, the Holy Spirit of God speaking. Divine revelation. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Come on, use your mind 
Think this through. Show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Use your mind and use your heart. Worship the Lord. And then verse 12, kiss the Son that he not become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Pay homage. Kiss the sun. Do it now. Wake up. For the sun is going to be enthroned one day, and all the nations and all the peoples who rebel had better watch out or you will perish in the way. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, you see these prophetic utterances of this coming king one day, that a king is going to come. He's going to be enthroned, sit on the throne of his father, David. The king is coming. Psalm 89, as an example, verse 3 and 4, I have made a covenant with my chosen I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. Or, prophet Zechariah says, the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one and his name the only one. There's a coming day when Jehovah God will reign on this earth and his name will be the only one. How many saw this on a Christmas card? Isaiah chapter 9. For a child will be born to us and a son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. A coming day when the king will reign. He's coming. Rebellious nations, watch out. Kiss the sun. Are you going to perish? He's coming. Show discernment. Kiss the sun. Pay him homage. Time is running out. So who was this sun? Who was this king? When was he coming? Well, again, as we've celebrated Christmas, we've heard the story of the angel. Gabriel came to Mary and said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. For he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. The voice of God the Father confirmed this when the Son was baptized. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And at that baptism of, of Jesus, John the baptizer said this, One is coming who is mightier than I, and his winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff 
with unquenchable fire. Rebellious nations that scoff, watch out. Kiss the sun or judgment comes. Watch out. The king is coming. You see, throughout Jesus' ministry, he takes on these messianic claims. He used that phrase a lot, the son of man, which harkens back to the book of Daniel and Daniel chapter 7 that said one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Jesus Christ was that anointed one, the coming one, the king who would sit on the throne of his father David and rule with righteousness and justice and bring shalom, peace, through all the world. And he will reign over the nations. Rebellious nations, those in defiance against God, watch out. You had better kiss the sun because he's about to come. Watch out. As Jesus approached Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday in fulfillment of Zacharias' prophecies of the coming one riding on the colt, the foal of donkey, he, he rides in and the, the people wave their palm branches and they proclaim, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of Jehovah. Watch out. Kiss the sun or judgment's coming and you perish in the way. And then the unthinkable happened, right? This promised king became the suffering king. The unthinkable. Matthew 26, verse 49 records that one of his own disciples, Judas, comes in that garden of Gethsemane and betrays Jesus with a kiss. And Jesus says, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? It's an allusion back to Psalm 2. Kiss the Son or you perish. And Judas comes and, and kisses the Son but in rebellion and defiance. And we read in John 19, now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And so they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the priests, chief priests answered and said, We have no king but Caesar. And so he then handed him over to them to be crucified, and they took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is Golgotha. And there they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. And 
Pilate also had written this inscription. He put it on the cross and it was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. And Jesus dies on the cross, abandoned, rejected, condemned, beaten, scourged, now nailed to a cross, and died. Who's laughing now? Have the scoffers won? Are the rebellious nations and the people victorious? Has the enthronement of the beloved son failed? Is Psalm 2 now being uh, ripped from the pages of the Psalter and thrown away? Well, as we know, far from it. Not even close. Three days later, the suffering king becomes the victorious king as he's raised to life. The Apostle Paul in Acts 13 described it this way. He says, And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God has fulfilled this promise to our children and that he raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. The Apostle Paul is saying the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that declaration, You are my son. It's the fulfillment it's the declaration to the world this is my son today i have begotten you you've been raised from the dead paul by the way in romans chapter 1 verse 4 says the same thing that he was declared the son of god with power at the resurrection there remains then one more thing to happen based on psalm 2 he's now coronated the day of celebration, the resurrection has taken place. You are my son. And what remains? Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You will break the nations with a rod of iron and will shatter them like earthenware. <laughs> Isaiah the prophet prophesied similarly chapter 11 verse 4 but with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked or as the psalmist wrote in psalm 110 the lord will send the rod of your strength out of zion saying rule in the midst of of your enemies the coming king rebellious nations and peoples of the earth watch out kiss the sun or judgment will come and you will perish in the way watch out the son of course is currently sitting at the right hand of the father awaiting that day when he will arise and return to fulfill Psalm 2. The coming king who will break the nations with a rod of iron 
And that day is coming. Revelation chapter 19 says, starting in verse 11, and this is again a, such a familiar passage, but it speaks truth. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Watch out, O nations. You had better kiss the king because he's coming. He came the first time with mercy as that little humble child to die on a cross. He's coming again. And Psalm 2 will be fulfilled. Watch out. Show discernment, O nations. Kiss the king or perish in the way. If we went back to that scene of the, of the battered and beaten man, the condemned criminal standing before the governor of Rome, the the symbol of the power of the nations of the world, Rome. And in verse 24 of John chapter 18, we read, So Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest, and Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So he said, You are not also one of his disciples. And he denied it, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden? Peter denied it again, and the rooster crowed. And, and then they led him from Caiaphas into the praetorium. And it was early, and they themselves did not enter the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, so that they might eat the Passover. And therefore Pilate went out to them, and he said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered and said, If this... If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. And Pilate said to him, Well, then take him yourselves and judge him, according to your own law. But the Jews said to Pilate, We're not permitted to put anyone to death to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying what kind of death he was about to die. And so therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium, and he summoned Jesus, and he said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation, chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. 
when Jesus spoke those words as it's written in John chapter 18 here, there's a little preposition, a little preposition that means that it, it, it's, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, it's a little preposition that means out of, as of source. Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not sourced in this realm, in this world. It is wholly other. It's not, it's not like a worldly kingdom. It's not sourced in the, in the machinations of, of mankind, the maneuverings of power and intrigue of mankind. It's not based on, on, uh, on, on, on voting machines that might not work right or or collusions with foreign nations. My kingdom isn't sourced out of this realm. It's wholly other. So you're a king, said Pilate. And Jesus said, you say correctly, I am a king. And for this I have been born. And for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth and everyone who is of the truth will hear my voice. I am a king. My kingdom is not from this worldly realm, but it's a kingdom that is coming. Kiss the king because he's going to return. So that final part of Psalm 2 is so crucial to hear. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the king, lest he become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. As we've studied the book of Romans these past weeks, we've seen about the wrath of God. Is against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And how is that wrath of God displayed in a, in a passive way where he steps back and he lets man's, mankind experience the full brunt of their rebellious sin? You want to live that way? And he backs away and, and mankind experiences the, the wrath of God in that passive way of of the full brunt of the consequences of sinful choices is felt generation after generation, century after century of time. The mess of the world living in rebellion and sin. But there's a day coming, and it's not going to be a passive wrath. It's going to be an act of wrath. <laughs> Let me ask you, as you watch the news today, see the events of the world unfolding. See any indications of the nations uh, taking God that, uh, to heart here from Psalm 2? Kissing the king, showing discernment, heeding the warnings. Any nations of this world worshiping God in reverence and trembling, fear? Are they paying homage to him? Far from it, right? The nations of the world continue to be in rebellion against God, even our once Christian nation, so-called the United States of America, 
who long since we've entered a post-Christian world and now quickly heading towards an anti-Christian world. The name of Christ is being loathed and cursed. The nations are raging and they're devising a vain thing. Absolutely vain, empty. They're taking counsel against the one true God and his anointed. The world is a mess, as the little limerick said. God's plan made a hopeful beginning, but man spoiled his chances by sinning. We trust that the story will end with God's glory, but at the present, the other side's winning. And so it seems. But rebellious nations and peoples of the world, watch out. The king has been crowned. The coronation has taken place. Declared the Son of God at the resurrection 2,000 years ago. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting until that day when he mounts the white horse and he returns with the sword from his mouth to slay the wicked and crush the nations like earthenware. Kiss the sun because judgment is coming. The final phrase is so crucial to hear, that final phrase, of Psalm 2 where it says how blessed are all those who take refuge in him Derek Kidner in his little commentary says there is no refuge from him there's only refuge in him take refuge in him what does it mean to take refuge in God I think first and foremost it means you you trust him as as your Savior. <laughs> you put your trust in Him, your, your confident hope in Him. He died on the cross. He paid for your sins. He rose again in triumph. Take refuge in Him. And it starts by placing our faith in Him. We put our trust in Jesus Christ as our only way to heaven. And what does that look like? It simply means we transfer our our, our faith, our trust off of ourselves onto Him. It's, a, it's this act of belief. Yes, it's true. I believe it. I'll, I'll state my eternal destiny on the fact. Jesus died for me and He rose again. In the moment of faith, we're given new life in Jesus. We're brought under His wings. We're, we're, we're hidden in Christ. We, we, we have a relationship with God for all of eternity. We have found refuge in him. Starts with faith in Christ, but it doesn't end there. Taking refuge in him is an ongoing moment by moment dependency, trust in him. By growing in, our, in the grace and knowledge of him, you can't take refuge in a God you don't know. We're going to take refuge in politics or in, in our own abilities to accomplish things or whatever it might be. We will never take refuge in a God that we haven't gotten personally acquainted with. To know God, to be intimate with Him, is to rest peacefully in confidence and joy in that He is a sovereign God who loves us. We can rest in that. 
But even though sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever the lot, I can say with confidence, God is in charge. He loves me. It is well with my soul. I find refuge in him because he has a plan. He's unfolding that plan. And he strengthens us. Boy, if 2020 has taught us anything, it is life is so, it is so precariously um, undetectable, so precariously unpredictable. And we need a refuge in such a time. <laughs> right, though. The wife who asked her husband, do you want to watch the 6 o'clock news and get indigestion? Do you want to watch the 11 o'clock news and get insomnia? <laughs> That's just the world that we live in. We need a refuge. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy, in the last days, perilous times will come. The world of chaos is going to continue to increase. That's a given. What's the believer of Jesus Christ to do? Take refuge in him. Daniel eleven, thirty-two 32 says, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. The people who know their God. We end a very strange year. Next week, we're going to celebrate what God has done in a very strange year. We're going to, we're going to take next week and, and just have a time of thanksgiving and praise. Not that we've ended 2020, but that God has been faithful to us. But who knows what 2021 is going to be like. In the grand scheme of things, quite frankly, it doesn't matter. <laughs> because God is in charge. 2021 might be the year that Jesus will arise from his throne and mount that white horse. And so the warning of Psalm 2 is ever-present. Take heed, O nations and peoples of this land. You better kiss the Son and show Him homage and worship or you will perish in the way. Have you taken refuge in Jesus? If you have, how about inviting a friend, a loved one, who is yet to kiss the sun, invite them into that same refuge. Because the king is coming. As sure as we're sitting here today, the king is coming. Let's pray. Our Father, um, if you could stir anything within us, this morning i pray that you would stir within us a deeper longing and desire to know you and and walk closely to you and then to experience the refuge that the, the safety the confidence of of your presence in the times of difficulty in the world in which we live father while the nations scoff and devise a vain thing and try to continue to throw off the fetters of your sovereign rule 
May we come to find peace and, and comfort in our relationship with you. And in calmness of spirit as we face a, the challenges of a new year. Calmness of spirit because we know that we're held tightly in your hand. And nothing will separate us from your love. Thank you for being the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And thank you, Father, that one day you will send your Son back into this world to sit on the throne of his father David in Jerusalem and reign supreme. And that every knee will then bow and every tongue will confess him Lord. One day, everyone will acknowledge You're the rightful king. And so, Lord, we look forward to that day. And while we wait, we take refuge in you and invite others into that same refuge. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.